Well, this evening we are uh, going to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 27. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll set the scene. Jesus has been delivered to be crucified by Pilate. He's been scourged, flogged, a brutal beating. He has been mocked by soldiers uh, who mock his, his claim of kingship before being led away to be crucified. Uh, then he's led to Golgotha, where he will be crucified. And there he is crucified along with two criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And this is where we'll pick up the story. Uh, uh, as, as we read, I want you to notice that there are uh, three very different groups of people who all respond to Jesus on the cross in the same way. There's passers-by, there's religious leaders, and there's criminals. And they all have the same basic response to Jesus on the cross. So turn to Matthew chapter 27 uh, to verses 39 through 44. We're going to read this passage and then seek to answer four questions. What, what is it uh, that they say, these, these groups? What is their response? What do they say? Second, why do they say it? Third, what would happen if Jesus listened to them? And then fourth, what does it mean for us that he didn't? So follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 27, verses 39 to 44. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. So what do they say? They say essentially two things. They say, come down and save yourself. Come down and save yourself. Look again at verse 40. The passers-by say, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In verse 42, the leaders say, he is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. And then in verse 44, it says, the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him in the same way. And then they say, save yourself. Save yourself. Look at verse 40. The passers-by say, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. In verse 42, the religious leaders, he saved others. He cannot save himself. And again, we're told in verse 44 that the, the robbers reviled him in the same way. So that's what they say. Why do they say that? Why that? You know, we know the tone, of course, is ridicule. It's angrily criticizing Jesus. It's mocking him. But why Come down and save yourself. Look again at verse 40. The passers-by say, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In their eyes, these two realities cannot coexist. 
being the son of God and being on the cross. You can't have them both at the same time in their, in their eyes. Essentially, they're saying, we will not believe that. We don't believe your claim. Look again at verse 42. This time, the religious leaders. He is the king of Israel, they say. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. So the religious leaders have made this more explicit. They say, if you want to claim to be the king of Israel, you need to come down and then we'll believe you, which is doubtful given their, given their track record. Uh, I don't trust them on this. Basically, they're saying, we know what this should look like if you are who you say you are, and it doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like this. To summarize, they're saying, God doesn't look like this. God does not look like this. We won't believe you. There is a, a condition of belief that they refuse to accept. It's an impossibility for them. And this, of course, is a, a temptation in our own day. Um, there are things about God, uh, you know, his wrath, for example, that uh, is just, it's difficult for us to, to, to grapple with. You know, we, we struggle with that. Um, there's things about Jesus, about the Bible, uh, that some people say, look, I know what God should be like. And if this really is God, he should not be like this. And so I'm not going to believe. I had a friend in high school. Um, he told me that he prayed that God would heal his grandfather. Uh, he didn't believe in God, but he said, if God heals my grandpa, I'll believe. And, and he didn't then heal his grandfather. And he said, I'm, I'm done. If, if God doesn't care about, I, I care so much about this. If he's not going to do this, God, God doesn't exist. I don't believe. And the cross of Christ, of course, is still one of those conditions of, of, of belief that it, it defeats the possibility of belief for so many people in our world. Uh, there's a, a, a professor at Oxford who says, of all the historic religions, there are good reasons for calling Christianity the worst. And he points to, to this very thing. He says, why? Because basically because of original sin and because of the cross. He says, this is intellectually contemptible and morally outrageous. Christians, though, we, we believe that the, the crowds, the religious leaders, and, and many in our world today have misunderstood the beauty of what God is doing here. These can coexist. The Son of God on a cross. These can coexist, and they do, and it's beautiful. We're going to talk more about this uh, as, we, as we continue. So they say, come down. The second thing uh, that they say is, save yourself, and, and, and here's why. Look at, at verse 40. The passers-by say, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. The, the, your claim that you can save even that, an entire temple in ruins, and you can't even save yourself? Like, th that doesn't make any sense. Look now at uh, verse 42 in the religious re elites. They say, he saved others, he cannot save himself. To put it another way, they're basically saying, you're not so impressive a savior now, are you? You can't even save yourself. In Luke chapter 23, verses 39, uh, we see the, the robber who's being crucified um, give his explanation here. He says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Right there in the exact same predicament as him. This guy wants salvation, but he can only envision it in one way. And the cross looks like defeat. 
So essentially what all, all of these uh, people are saying is salvation doesn't look like this. Salvation does not look like this. I think this is behind their mocking words, save yourself. The passers-by, the crowds, they want the miracle-working king. It was not long before, when, uh, like a week before this happens, the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, which literally means, save us. They loved the, the healing of the sick, uh, the demon-possessed, feeding people, all of that. They want to be saved from suffering. Uh, that's not what they're getting here. They want Jesus to overthrow Rome and establish Israel's kingdom, and that's not what they're getting here. The religious elites want a Messiah who preserves their power and authority. For them, the salvation they seek is furthered by getting rid of Jesus. And then the criminal wants immediate salvation from the punishment that he is bearing. All of them, in different ways, want a temporal salvation. They want a salvation from what they're experiencing, uh, the, the, the pain and the difficulty that they're experiencing now. They've got these felt needs. They want those addressed. So too with us, right? Uh, so many people would say, look, if Jesus is addressing a problem on the cross, um, it's not my problem. I'm not that interested in that. So I, I, I illustrate it this way. Um, my daughter, um, a couple months ago, she, she, it was Christmas time and we had an ornament that was comprised of some triangular beads um, that she put up her nose. Um, and uh, so obviously that was pretty uncomfortable. It like went past the point of no return. You could not see them anymore. And uh, we had to take her to the doctor. Um, she's three. She's not like 14 if you're... That would also not make sense of the math, I'm sure, if, uh, and, okay, anyway, so, um, so we had to take her to the doctor, and uh, she, uh, in order to get it out, Abby, my wife, had to kind of hold her down, and all that my daughter wanted at that moment was relief. She wanted salvation. She wanted to not feel the pain of being held down and the pain of having to get this thing out, and it was like, look, if... If you really want salvation, what you really need is not for us to just stop doing this. We need to get those things out. That's your only hope, right? Um, we always want to address the, the felt problem and not the deeper issue. And uh, that's, that's what's happening here, I think. So what would happen if Jesus listened to them? That's our third question. What would happen if Jesus listened to them? Imagine that Jesus did come, come down from the cross and save himself. Then what? He could have done that, by the way. He could have come down from the cross. Uh, he did not have to uh, do it. He, he could have come down from the cross. As a quick aside, if I was in Jesus' place, I definitely would have come down. I definitely would have come down. When I read this story, uh, going through all of these different layers of people mocking Jesus, it makes me angry. It makes me mad. When someone taunts me, especially when they think they're right and I'm pretty sure that they're wrong, um, this thing clicks in me and I want justice. So this happened to me just two days ago. Um, I'm turning, I was at the Whole Foods in Saganash. I'm turning right. So I, I, I want to turn right but get into the far left lane, okay, not the immediately close lane. And the car behind me is honking and is so mad and gesturing and like, so irritated because there's space for me to, to go if I want to be in the right lane, but I don't want to. I want to be in the left lane. 
and I'm like, she, she thinks I, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I wanted to get out of my car and like go, go over to them and say, you know, I'm, I'm right, right? Like, you know that this doesn't make sense, what you're honking at me to do. I need to get left, and there are cars coming. I will die if I do what you're asking me to do. But uh, this is so incredibly small, and yet that flares my anger. If I was Jesus, and people are saying, hey, come down from the cross, I mean, ultimately, he's there for them. I would have been like, you want me to come down? Is that what you really want? You got it, buddy. I'm, I'm coming down. See what happens. So what would have happened if Jesus did come down from the cross and saved himself? Well, we need to know what was the mission of the cross. Here are some of these, these verses from God's word. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 says, It was to make propitiation, to turn away God's wrath for the sins of people. Isaiah 53, verse 6, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, He bore the sins of many. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made Christ to be sin for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus became a curse for us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus was offered once to bear the sins of many. On the cross, our sins are paid for. They are definitively dealt with. All of your sins of the past, the present, and the future dealt with in that one day on the cross. Our guilt is taken away, and God's wrath is turned away on the cross. So if he comes down from the cross, you and I must bear that sin ourselves. The wages of sin is death. If he comes down from the cross, he comes down in judgment. That is the only option. He comes down and shows his great power, and then what? This just, just God is going to give us what we deserve. We're going to have to pay what we owe. You're guilty, and God's wrath is on you and on me. So, what does it mean for us that he didn't? What does it mean for us that he didn't? Jesus died for us, though we dared him not to. And what does that mean for us? So he didn't come down. Uh, we noted earlier that some see the cross as morally outrageous, and Christians believe otherwise. We believe that our sin is more serious than we realize. Our sin is more serious than we realize. It demands justice. It needs to be paid for and not merely overlooked. I think we realize this with, with any serious crime. If, if I were to steal your car and, uh, and I say to you, I am really sorry, and then I drive away in your car, like, that doesn't work, right? That's, there's some incongruence there. That's not going to do it. Um, we, there, there needs to be payment for that. Um, if, if that is going to be truly forgiven, look, I, I've got I've to give your car back or something, right? Or someone's got to pay for it. But we also see that God's love for us is deeper than we realize. God's love for us is so much deeper than we realize. It's in the cross that God's love and his justice beautifully come together. But it's his love that really comes through most clearly because he could have still been just if he came down, right? Because he still would have demanded that we pay for it. We still, he still could have been just. Um, but his love is on display in the cross. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, In this 
is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a a hymn that I really love uh, that has this line. It says, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. And of course, it's true that that Jesus is bearing the penalty for our sin, but ultimately it's his love that held him there. Uh, His love for us keeps him on the cross. And he didn't save himself. His concern was not to save himself, but to save us. You know, we want a temporal salvation. We, we want a new job or our, our health to be restored. We want companionship. All of those things are, are good. You know, it's not wrong to, to want them. But God in his great mercy has decided to root out the real problem. You know, we feel brokenness. That's kind of the felt need. That's the, the level that we feel it on. But Jesus is dealing with the root problem. The real problem is sin. Uh, there's a nerdy board game that I really love. It's my favorite called Pandemic. And anybody like that game? So uh, I like it because you work together. You're not competing at all, and I hate conflict. So I really like that we're, we're teaming up in this game. And you work together to save the world from four diseases. And victory in the game is not when all of the diseases are eradicated. Victory is when you cure the disease. And I like that. That's the same idea here. You know, the symptoms are still here, right? It's not been completely eradicated, brokenness, but the root problem has been solved. The cure has uh, has been discovered or has been earned in Jesus. Jesus on the cross is working toward the cure that's going to be completed three days later. So here's the beauty of all of this. Uh, the, the beautiful result that comes from all of this. Your identity, who you are, can be built on an unshakable foundation in Christ. Because Jesus stayed on the cross, he completed this work and chose not to save himself, but you, your identity is secured. Think about this. We root our identity Uh, as people in whatever makes us worthy, whatever we feel like gives us worth as a person. That's what we root our identity uh, in. So it could be relationships. I'm worthy because somebody loves me. Could be our career. You know, I'm worthy because I'm successful. It could be our morality. I'm worth something because I'm good. All of these things we can uh, build our identity on. But all of these things that we can build our identity on can fail us. Every single one can fail us. Relationships end. Even if your relationship uh, with a person is going strong, that person will die inevitably. Um, Careers can fold in an instant. Morally, we can stumble. You know, we we can hardly even maintain our our own uh, expectations for ourselves or meet our own expectations for ourselves, much less uh, God's expectations for us. You've got to base your identity on something that is unshakable. You've got to base your identity on something that is unshakable, on a a solid foundation. And nothing is more unshakable than the finished work of Jesus on the cross for you. Through the cross of Jesus, you are loved beyond what you ever thought. Through the cross of Jesus, you are loved beyond what you ever thought. He died when you were a sinner, 
even in your worst moment, he, his love for you is beyond, way deeper than you could know. Through the cross of Jesus, his success is yours. And your failures and your sins are paid for completely. It is finished. You don't need to punish yourself because Jesus bore the punishment for you. Our temptation is to punish ourselves. I, I had a friend who um, was in the Vietnam War and he was once talking with me. He was, um, he was intoxicated, but he was telling me kind of about the things that he had done in the war. And he was really, really ashamed of it. And he literally started to hit himself, like beat himself. And it's like, I think there is this tendency that we, we do that sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, or in, in some other way. You do not have to punish yourself in Christ. Jesus bore the punishment that you feel like you deserve. You can free yourself from having to punish yourself. Jesus bore that for you. Jesus makes us worthy. And that work is completely finished. There is nothing you can add to it. It is finished. In Christ, you will find your worth. You are loved. You are forgiven completely. Let that be who we are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you endured those taunts on that cross 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Lord, that you did not come down, that you did not save yourself, but you endured all of that for us. Lord, we thank you that our sins are forgiven completely. Lord, we thank you that our future sins are forgiven completely in Jesus. God, we, we want our identity to be built on this. Lord, there are so many other things that uh, tempt us to build our identity upon them. Um, so many things that people will tell us that we matter because of these things. God, would you protect us from believing those things? And would you help us to truly believe that our identity as your children, as forgiven sons and daughters of you, is enough? Lord, we thank you for your amazingly deep love for us. God, would you help it to sink in? Uh, this day and this, this weekend and, and every day of our lives. God, we thank you. We thank you so much for this salvation. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.